Welcome back to Legacy, the Immigrant Experience in America. I'm Helena Drago, your host. This episode of Legacy is brought to you by Allegory, an online magazine. For 20 years, Allegory has been offering short stories of science fiction, fantasy, and horror written by new and established authors from around the world. If you're interested in reading stories of sci-fi, fantasy, or horror, check out Allegory at www.allegoryezine.com. Since my husband Ty Drago and I have started the season's podcast, listening to and recording the experiences of immigrants who have come to the United States, we have learned not only about the immigrant and their home country, but also about the good old U.S. of A. I find it interesting to hear from the immigrants the things we Americans do different from other countries. The food, the culture, but I'm also surprised by the similarities, the beauty of their homeland, and the love for their family. We have discovered that each immigrant has left their home for many different reasons. Some come looking for work, some have come for safety and security, and others have come to the United States out of curiosity. Today, we will be talking to Adriana, an immigrant who left her homeland, Poland, out of curiosity and a sense of adventure. As you listen to Adriana speaking, you can hear the love and longing she has for her country, but you can also hear the love she has for her new family in the United States. Here's Adriana. So I came from Poland, and it, this is not a country of an endless winter, as some people may think. It's a beautiful country, the center of Europe, and I'm a little heartbroken that I had to leave it behind. But, you know, that's how life goes. Tell us about the people there, the culture there, its traditions. What did you love about it? I'm from the south of Poland, which is very close to Krakow. I grew up surrounded by, by mountains. The best part of living back home was waking up in the morning and seeing this crazy mountain view surrounding me. And this is the part that I definitely miss a lot. It's not like the whole country isn't like that, but that's definitely the area that I grew up. I used to live 20 minutes from pretty good trails and parks. And yeah, this is something that I really miss for sure. I miss Krakow. This is one of my favorite spots in Poland. It's a beautiful, beautiful city. I wish that everybody would have an opportunity to see it. It's completely different, not only from architectural point of view, but just history, just the atmosphere. It's something to see. Definitely very interesting thing about my home country is the proximity of Auschwitz concentration camp it's it's something especially for jewish culture how closely we are connected to the whole holocaust and world war ii history we are just pretty much surrounded and that's big thing about poland wherever you go there's always always some history especially from world war ii surrounding every every place it's a big scene for all the events that happened. But um, the part that I didn't love about my home country is like people tend to be really gloomy and closed as an opposite to people in here. If you see somebody on the street, it's very unlikely that somebody would just say hello or hi. People would probably think you're crazy. Yeah, we are a pretty reserved uh, nation, I would think. 
I was raised traditional ways. Family and tradition is really important to me. So another thing that I really miss about my my family just being home is how we care about just being together eating together, respecting traditions. I left pretty much right after graduation. I got my bachelor degree in physical education. And probably within a month, I think, I left. And that was supposed to be just a one-year experience. I just wanted a really good experience and just get back home, you know, get on with my master's degree. So that's interesting. So why did you pick the U.S.? So I came here as an au pair, and probably since I was 15, maybe even younger, I just found out about this program, and that was, a, I thought, that was a great opportunity to see this country, to explore, to practice my language, and see what the United States is really like, because people just, you know, see it from TV shows, movies. As we all know, it looks very spectacular, and very magical and especially for a 15 year old girl is was like oh my god yes this is what I want to do and I was really thinking about it for years for years and then I always got top by something whether that was a significant other or school or some other thing and I was always kind of like yeah I still remember about this but it got pushed away but the limit to come here as an au pair is 26 years old, and I was already 24. And yeah, I was procrastinating. I was supposed to make uh, a, a video of saying who I am, what I do, why do I want to be in a pair. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. And then my younger sister, and I will never forget it, it was really getting late with all the video and application stuff. My younger sister just came up to me and she gave it to me <laughs> if you won't do it you're not going anywhere i mean she used a lot of different words <laughs> uh, <laughs> only a sister can do <laughs> uh, yeah especially younger sister and she she made me cry so bad i was filling this application through tears if she didn't scream at me, I don't think I would be here. It sounds like you had really mixed feelings about coming to the United States as an au pair. Yes, I always wanted to when I was younger, but I was getting older. <laughs> Maybe I can say I was wiser. I already heard stories about what au pair life is really like. That it's not just never-ending vacation. It's not just traveling and having fun. It's a hard work. Well, tell us about the au pair program. I'm not that familiar with it. How does it work? So the au pair program, the kind of visa that you get to be an au pair is an exchange student visa or exchange visitor, J1. You always come for a year and then you can extend the program for additional three, six, nine and or 12 months. Within the program, you live with American family and your job is to take care of their children. You're a childcare provider. You have to take classes. So there is an educational requirement. I was lucky enough to have weekends off. It's not always like that. So I could travel, I could do whatever I wanted during that time, but weeks are pretty hectic. So you wake up very early in the morning, you send kids to school, you prepare their lunch, drive them to activities. And in my case, that was way more than that because I was pretty much a household manager for my family and I was in charge of their calendars. 
yeah, so setting up appointments, driving kids, ordering stuff, overseeing contractors coming to the place, whatever you think of, I was doing it. It was really a lot to handle. But first year with my family was satisfying and gratifying. And I was really happy with that. But the second year, when you're getting way more familiar with each other, you live with each other and you, you are a member of their family. And we all know what it's like to be with your family, uh, even though we'd never fought or anything, never argue. It was really frustrating very often because you just feel like unappreciated, especially for extra work that you do since you are supposed to be a childcare provider, a nanny, if you're doing way more than that and you still get paid as every other pair, I was really thinking maybe I should just leave it and just go back home. Uh, but because of Zach, my husband, he wasn't my husband at the time, but I extended the program for additional 12 months I met him here and I decided to stay. If we wanted to be together, I didn't want to force him, you know, into marriage or just having a um, long distance relationship that wouldn't work for us, definitely. So are you married now? Did you marry an American citizen? Yeah, I, I married Zach. I met Zach within a month of being here, my future husband. And the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. That was definitely not not the way I planned it. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 I'm going home. I'm going back home. Everybody, like all of my friends from college, they knew that I'm leaving to U.S. They were like, oh, no, you're never coming back. I'm like, no, I am coming back. I want to go back to school. I don't want to stay there. I don't want to be one of those girls <laughs> marrying U.S. citizens. <laughs> and here I am. Married to U.S. Yeah. citizen. You came here on a... A J-1. A J-1. Okay. And, and what's your current status? So my current status is I am a holder of a U.S. work authorization, which allows me to work in the U.S. We filled the application for permanent residence, but things just takes way longer now with current administration, I think. I know a few girls that were in a similar situation as I was getting married here to U.S. citizen when it was Obama work permit from the moment you applied. It, it took around two, maybe three months to get. And I've been waiting six months just for the work permit, which is difficult because we are not legally allowed to work until we hold the work permit. So we are just... I don't know, like staying home for um, however long it takes to get the work permit. This is really frustrating and very stressful because we are not having any income. And it's, it's, it puts you in a really difficult position. Are you still on the J-1 or have you moved to a different visa? We are right now uh, waiting for our interview to obtain permanent residence, which is green card. The last visa, the, the only visa I have in my passport is J-1, but it's overstayed. I am pretty much in a immigrational limbo. <laughs> limbo, yeah. Yeah. Growing up watching movies and TV might make you think that marrying a U.S. citizen makes you a citizen automatically. 
as always, the reality is more complicated. There are special visas for marrying a foreign national overseas and then bringing them to the U.S. Getting these can be expensive and problematic, however, depending on marital laws in the country involved. There's also a particular visa called a K-1, which allows the fiancé of a U.S. citizen to come to the U.S. to marry and then apply for a green card. But oddly, as Adriana had already arrived in the U.S. as an au pair on her J-1 visa, none of these options applied to her and Zach. Instead, her situation is both simpler and more complicated. Yeah, both. It's simpler because, since she and Zach married in the U.S., the status of her J-1 visa ceased to be an issue, provided she applied for permanent resident status, a.k.a. a green card, which she did. While that application is being processed, which can take months or even years, Adriana can safely and legally remain in America. It's more complicated because the work authorization she mentioned was attached to her J-1 and allowed her to work as an au pair and only as an au pair. As she said, she's applied for a new work authorization, but this too can take a long time to process and until it's improved, she's unable to take employment. Unfortunately, the waiting is only a part of it. Applying for a green card is expensive and time-consuming as well, but I'll let Adriana tell you about that. People would definitely think, and at some point I was thinking that too, just that marrying a U.S. citizen gives you a residency status, something. And no, it doesn't. It actually doesn't give you anything besides a marriage certificate. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you're married now, so everybody, you know, <laughs> that's great. You're married, but it doesn't give you any more than that. You still have to apply and you still have to go through the whole complicated and frustrating process. And they're really pricey, too. <laughs> Your intention is to get a green card, and eventually, do you expect to become a U.S. citizen? So the first green card that you get is temporary one, and you get it for two years. Then, before two years you have to reapply for another green card which is unconditional green card admitted for 10 years but after those two years when you are a green card holder you still have to reapply and send exactly the same paperwork you did the first time which is it's really thick it's a bunch of papers it's comparable to how thick encyclopedia is it costs close to 100 bucks just to mail it to just to immigration services, <laughs> which we had to actually, we had to do it twice. We sent in the paperwork and we included all the checks for everything. And there was one check with a wrong amount. It was literally 10 bucks difference that they were missing. So they sent us everything back to uh, fix the check. So instead of them just like saying, hey, you owe us $10 and just like send us a check they shipped us everything back and we had to send it all back again with the correct amount on the check wow uh, tell us some about your experiences with americans how do americans treating you what are your good experiences what are your less good experiences mm -hmm. somebody might get an idea that u.s especially nowadays with trump being a president mm. is very hostile towards immigrants but 
honestly, I've never, never experienced any sort of hostile treatment from anybody. Everybody was very friendly, very welcoming, very excited to hear my story and very curious about what it's like to be in Europe. What are the cultural differences? Government does not represent how people feel uh, about you. Like I said, the very start of our interview, that people are way more open towards each other, more friendly. But what keeps shocking me, maybe not right now, but it definitely was very shocking to me how people are like a little bit too open about, especially talking about their sexuality and <laughs> and physiology. <laughs> Being from like reserved country, it was very shocking, and I felt like, oh, this is not what we talk about. We never talk about this kind of stuff as openly as people here, uh, <laughs> especially men. They just see me like i'm a white female i think i don't look any different from any other girls here i don't know what it's about but people just see they just kind of know you're something else you're a little different in some way i don't know you appear more exotic here which i would never think of holland to be exotic you know <laughs> It's interesting. I had this crazy experience one day when I was in the car. That was late night. And there was some guy just pulling right next to me on a it was red light. And he saw there's okay, there's a girl next to him in the car. And he just, it, it, it was insane. I never experienced anything like that. He just took his pants off and just, you know, waved hello. They took his pants off? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness. That's not typical behavior. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty new here, so that was very warm, welcoming to the United States. <laughs> but definitely within the first week of me being here, I was actually with my host family down the shore. And I had to drive back on my own, like over two hour drive. And it was pretty much day three of me being here. And I was really stressed about it. They gave me keys to their Cadillac Escalade, which is huge car. And I had to drive all the way back to Philly. I got lost. I had to drive through some like cornfield roads and very country setup. As funny as that is, there was country music on the radio too. So I got the, the whole American. American experience within two hours. Driving uh, through Jersey? <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> I like this memory. It was it was fun. As, as stressful as it was at a time, being so new, it was kind of fun. I don't think you've told us. How many years have you been in the United States now? It's going to be two and a half years. Uh, I was really anxious if communicating and just speaking with people is going to be a challenge but I never really experienced that maybe sometimes I experience what I call bad English day I just think way too long <laughs> I just feel like I can't find the right words to describe something it's like I know what I'm talking about but I just like can't find words to name it so I for for example I would just call those pool noodles I would call them pool pasta pool pasta <laughs> yeah <laughs> were you taught English in Poland yes yes I was because you speak English very, very, well. very well yeah oh thank you thank you thank you so much although I definitely wanted to 
polish my English, <laughs> which sounds funny,、uh, but I wanted to learn way more terms and get my vocabulary and just like word bank bigger. It's very helpful with just like knowing the pop culture. This is hard sometimes, just catching. Uh, on some jokes that people say, which is is associated with the culture, and just some things you might understand the words, but you might not understand the meaning. I've actually heard that that a lot of people English is not their first language. They will say they know they understand English really well when they understand our jokes. <laughs> right. So it's just sometimes, but it does happen. So I feel. Like um, like an idiot sometimes that I just I should understand it, but why I don't? There's a subtlety, a culture thing. Yes. We have one more question for you. This is the, the last question that we ask everybody.、Mm-hmm. Legacy is defined as a gift or a bequest that is handed down or endowed from one person to another. What legacy would you wish to pass down to your children or to your descendants or to anyone? What I definitely would love to happen is passing over the history, the real history, because some people just are ignorant. And I'm not absolutely. I'm not talking about the whole American nation. Absolutely not. But there's a bunch of people,、uh, Polish people, American people, and all the other people. Like they have no idea about what the real history is. What what really happened, especially World War Two, and how terrible of a thing it was. That our legacy should be teaching everybody what we shouldn't do or what should we avoid to never let the history repeat itself. So we don't have third World War because it's just it's just so horrifying and it's just destructive. And we should really teach everybody that this is our world. We have to care about it, and I truly believe that we really have to take care of each other and just like learn from the history. And is there anything else you want to add before we wrap it up? What I wanted to say is that even though being an immigrant is is hard, it's 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 really hard. But I really am happy, and I really appreciate how the American nation welcomed me here, and and I am grateful for that. We thank Adriana for sharing her story with us. As we listen to each immigrant story, Ty and I have discovered that today's immigration process is a waiting game. Each immigrant must wait for their visa, a work permit, a green card, a court hearing. That wait can take months, frequently years. Immigration to the United States is nothing like it was in the early 1900s. When our parents and grandparents came into the United States, they were immediately expected to work, and they got their green card and their naturalization papers with very little hiccups. Today, an immigrant can wait for a work visa anywhere from four to seven months. With no income, they are dependent on family for shelter and for food. Yet the immigrants are resilient and patient, for they have no choice if they wish to stay. Join us in two weeks' time, when we'll be talking with actor, writer, and director Pollyanna McIntosh, best known for her horror films like *The Woman* and *Let Us Pray*, and for her starring role in seasons eight and nine of *The Walking Dead*. I hope you'll join us. And as always, thanks for listening.
Legacy, the immigrant experience in America is created and produced by Ty and Helena Drago. You can find out more about us at our website located at twooldfolksdoingstuff.com. The music you're listening to is called Picnic on the Roof by The Whole Other, found at YouTube's royalty-free library. <laughs>